0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio, your source for experienced guests and detailed knowledge on all things employment related. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Employment Notebook, a podcast designed to get to the heart of those important topics that arise in the workplace. Now, the word delegation, what does that mean to you? How valuable is it in the workplace? Or taking a look at the impact of delegation, particularly trying to understand why it's an important aspect of an organization's success? Joining LJN Radio to discuss this is Dan Demers, founder and president of Remission Consulting, and an individual who is passionate about the power of delegation. Dan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing real well. Thanks for having me.
0: No, it's our pleasure. And uh, as I said, you, you told me right away how you are passionate and uh, love talking about this topic. So hopefully our listeners will be able to, to get a lot out of this conversation. And I wanted to start there though, with the idea of delegation. How do you define it? How do you describe it? Because I'm sure that's something a lot of people have different thoughts on.
1: Well, thank you for that jump off point. To us at Remission, when we examine delegation as it's an interaction, delegation is a point of contact typically between a manager and a team member. When we work with companies, we often will ask the question, what happens when delegation is done poorly? Mm. What happens when a manager gives an assignment to a direct report and the direct report walks away feeling in any way, in any number of ways, underappreciated, overworked, burdened, resentful, Frustrated, angry with coworkers. What happens when delegation is done poorly? And at the end of those conversations, what we almost always land on the employee to whom work is given Mm -hmm. almost universally feels disengaged from the workforce. They feel disengaged from their boss, and it leads that spiral downward into a state of some resentment, into a state of some resistance to the boss and to their colleagues because most managers simply don't know how to delegate well. Delegation becomes this touchstone, this, this catalyst for either really disengaged, annoyed workers, or when it's done well in those rare instances, when you have a, a boss that shows up and operates more like a leader, someone who's, who's keenly interested in the career interests of her direct reports, you get employees who are energized, who mm-hmm. are excited by the, the opportunity, by the challenge, by the added responsibility. So we really took a deep dive here at, at delegation because it's such a common place of contact between manager and direct report, And it really is. It's this place where, I mean, gosh, Gallup has been studying disengagement
0: right. and employee
1: engagement for over almost 30 years now. And what strikes me after being in this field for close to 15 years, there have been no real material gains in changing the disengaged workforce in North America. It's near 80%. Mm -hmm. This specific tactical area where managers touch direct reports the most is in delegating and in the five steps of delegating. Because in this process of delegating, we have so much of that manager-employee relationship that when it's done correctly can really fill people up and when it's done poorly can really sour them.
0: And we're definitely going to get into, as you mentioned, some steps there as far as doing it properly and, and making sure it's a success when you do delegate. You touched on there what can happen when things go poorly or when delegation is done incorrectly. What does make it though valuable to an organization if managers are able to delegate The work, delegate the really the ideas that are going on with that company to those direct reports. What importance does that have in terms of the success of the organization?
1: Ultimately, what really effective delegation can do is free people up to pursue the highest value projects, tasks, and responsibilities for the client as they serve a client, for the company, for their colleagues as a collaborator, and ultimately and very, very self-interestedly for their own personal career. Mm -hmm. Really good delegation when we examine it from the manager's perspective. Think of it this way. I've got too much on my plate is a common refrain we hear with companies. We're kind of slowly exiting this very long protracted recession. Companies are resource constrained. Staff are asked to do more with less. Managers, more of the same. So what we aim to do is help managers identify what are the really high-level, valuable things that you could be doing, but you simply don't have enough time. It's the 80-20 rule. Mm. There's 20% of the tasks they're not getting to that if they did could yield 80% more value for their career and for their company. Sure. So when, when really good teams take on delegating intentionally, purposefully, we have managers who typically get promoted because they themselves were great producers. When those folks can, can take a few items off their plate, some of those high-touch, lower-value projects that they believe, perhaps wrongly, that only they can do it, when they can put those those tasks onto their direct reports plates, it frees them up to go after that higher-value engineering project if they're in an engineering a- area. Maybe if they're a sales manager, it frees them up maybe to pursue a house account that hasn't been given the attention it deserves, which could lead to some really high margin contracts. Any number of areas, depending upon the business units managers are operating in, when those really skilled people who typically get promoted up into middle management are freed up a little bit more, they can then go after that higher value project, contract, assignment, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So that's really where we see the most impact is the managers who are key producers in their own right get freed up to deliver higher value work to the company and ultimately to their own career. They they again look like a a bit of a superstar (laughs) instead of an overworked middle manager.
0: Sure. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take that step into looking at sort of the process that you have broken down in the past and uh, making sure, again, that managers aren't just dumping work off and that the employees don't feel, as you said, sort of disengaged because they don't understand, oh, well, I'm just getting this extra work and, and it's not making me happy in any way or successful. So where do we start off? What's the number one step that needs to take place if there's going to be effective delegation?
1: Really, the first step is understanding that if I, as a manager, simply hand off what I perceive to be a lower value project, Mm -hmm. if I just give them the activities necessary without broader context and a deeper understanding what we would say, she who knows why will always manage she who knows how. Hmm. So if you can teach them the why, the context of the assignment, that's really the first step. That's a quality of leadership that we would get across to a client and their, and their managers. So it's understanding that if you are asking someone to handle inventory and you simply tell them every Friday you need to complete this sheet, but you don't then explain more broadly and more deeply why inventory has to be handled on a weekly basis instead of perhaps quarterly or on an annual basis, then they're going to only operate to the level to which you give them the understanding. And the game here is to create leaders underneath us, to right. create people who can potentially replace us as we promote up through the company. <laughs> so you share with them the reason why. Well, we do inventory once a week because our credit and our line of cash, our line of credit and our cash flow is tied directly to our inventory levels. So our bank needs to see our inventory on a monthly basis, we track it weekly so we can see any challenges ahead of time before we report to the bank. So that's why we check inventory so frequently, because it's a cash flow challenge. Oh, and a good a good direct report would conceivably <laughs> ask the question, help me understand about cash flow. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you're talking about really high value things. You as a manager identify a direct report who gets it, who understands. So now it's not just a it's not just a task you're assigning. You're assigning responsibility. You're assigning uh, a higher level of understanding and a broader area of responsibility.
0: You mentioned, obviously, the idea of identifying. And I thought that's a, a question that comes up a lot with people. And I know that's, again, part of this, this process. What is the biggest challenge to identifying the correct person or people for What they're doing does it just come down to skill? Does it come down to coachability, so to speak? I mean, how do you figure out the person that is best suited for what you're looking to hand over?
1: Well, there's the highest the highest level of examining the identify piece is recognizing in an organization, especially some of the bigger companies, and we've we've worked with Fortune 500 companies where you're going to have a teammate, a a player on your staff, a direct report who could be three quarters of the way through his career. He's not interested in promoting. Mm -hmm. He's simply a key player and he's happy where he's at. So a a good manager who's operating like a leader as they go through that identify step needs to recognize giving someone who's absolutely not interested in promotion higher levels of responsibility may in fact disengage them. Hmm. When we identify people, it's really about you want to recognize and take responsibility for some succession planning in your own little business unit so that you can get promoted up. The game is, how do I add greater value to the client, to the company, to my colleagues, and to my career? If you can help people see those folks on a team that may be inclined to get after it a little bit, who may want to pursue a career on their own, either within that company, or maybe even in a couple of years in another company. So in identifying, you want to see and find the people who, are, who have competency, who have coachability, who have a drive and a desire to grow, but also even in those, in those instances where it's a team player who's not interested in promotion, they may be so competent that they can take over responsibility and not be burdened with the, the climb the corporate ladder stuff. So it, it really, it's elevating people to a level of failure in a way where once they've approached that point of failure, they're not penalized, But you have a deep understanding of their potential, of their capacity, and of their desire to grow. It involves really knowing who you're managing. And that step in and of itself causes many managers to have to grow and step outside their comfort zone.
0: Right. Uh, So with that, we move forward. What becomes that next step or important piece of the puzzle here?
1: That leads then into the, the, the third step, which is instruct. So define, identify, instruct. And this is a place where many very well-intentioned managers, again, not because, they're, not because they're bad people, but they get it wrong. Quite frankly, when a manager looks at this step, they think, ah, I must teach them how to do it. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you've got to teach them why it's important and what the desired outcome looks like. And then you ask them, how would you go about doing this? Now, I get it that a lot of companies, they don't have the luxury of time to do this each and every step, each and every time they delegate. But again, philosophically, when we come from a place of wanting to engage our employees, when you instruct, we use the the word educe, which is the root of educate. Educe means to draw from, not to pour in, not to tell, but to ask great questions so the learner reaches the desired outcome on his or her own. So in the instruct step, we might say, if we need to stay on on top of our inventory and we report it out on a monthly basis and we can't have any errors because that'll really impact our our credit, our line of credit and our cash flow, how how might you do that? What do you think would be a good way of approaching it? Mm -hmm. And what we end up seeing time and time again is new ideas, new ways that are better ways. When we hear a, a direct report, Present an idea that is a better idea and it is embraced and things get better. There is nothing that breeds employee engagement and excitement better than adopting a new idea from a teammate that is taken and is used and is celebrated.
0: And I'm definitely sure uh, our listeners can understand and appreciate that. As you said, if the idea really is coming from that direct report and they understand that they're contributing, I think you're onto something there. With that, then we're moving forward. The idea of trust always comes up and being able to feel that as an employee, of course, but there's a step there that also managers have to be involved with.
1: Yes, we call that inspect. And uh, as a child of the 80s, I always hearken back to uh, our president during that time. He had a famous phrase when approaching the Soviets, when the Russians and the Americans were negotiating arms control, he said he was going to trust but verify. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's a great that's a great lesson. The idea is we we want to set up times where we can inspect. And just I know for many folks who are listening when they hear the word inspect their skin probably wants to just crawl. People don't like that idea of fee being inspected. So again, we go back to the notion of educe. When we were instructing, we ask questions of the direct report. So again, to use the same example, If we want to make sure we're monitoring our inventory effectively and we don't create any problems because it's a zero fail environment, we cannot screw this up. What kind of accountability or system could I provide you so that we never fail and you look like a superstar? The direct report might say, Well, maybe if I show you the inventory report uh, Friday morning before I submit it Friday afternoon, Mm -hmm. what do you think, boss? And the boss might say, Sure. Friday. So what I'm hearing you say is, you're going to get Friday morning to me the inventory report prior to submitting it to the CFO. Excellent. So now the direct report owns the inspection process. Right. It's her own. She invented it. How is she going to buck a system that she herself invented? It creates ownership and buy-in. And when, again, it's, it's, a, it's a very subtle shift that when managers, you know, we, we conduct these delegation mastery workshops all across the country. And when managers hear us just shift it ever so slightly, they recognize, oh my gosh, it's been right there in front of me for the last, whatever, four years, 14 years. (laughs) All I have to do is just shift my language a tiny bit. And the truth is people respond so much better when they have ownership.
0: We are getting up against the clock here, but I wanted to get us into this last piece of, uh, of really the, the end result and how you figure out if it all worked. Take us through that.
1: So the last piece is assess. It's to take, from the manager's perspective, to take a hard look periodically, maybe once a month, once every other month, how am I doing as a leader who owns this process known as delegation? This is not necessarily how is the direct report doing, right. although we could have that part of the conversation. It's really a self-reflection, it's self-awareness, and it's a key step so that the manager continually grows and becomes a better leader.
0: Well, Dan, I definitely appreciate you taking us through these. I think uh, you know some nice breakdown as far as what each of these steps would entail. As you said, you may not always have the chance to go through each and every one of these, but if you can hit on some key points that you brought up today, I think it will definitely help the listeners. We did want to give you the floor here at the end as we do with all of our guests for a final takeaway from our conversation if you can, in about 30 seconds or so. Give us an important piece of delegation that people need to hear as we wrap up.
1: Delegation is a tool that can literally free managers up from that absolute crushing feeling of being overwhelmed. It takes a little bit of planning, to be frank. It takes some good training, which we're happy to provide, but it can literally free people up from feeling like they have no more room on their plate and they don't know what to do.
0: Very well said and succinct. Again, that is Dan Demers. He is the founder and president of Remission Consulting. We've been talking about delegation, the importance, the steps that it takes, and uh, just some good insight today from Dan. Once again, Dan, thanks for coming on the show and sharing some of these items with us. Uh, I know the listeners will definitely benefit from it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And as always, if you want to get in touch with us, just go ahead and shoot an email to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. This has been Employment Notebook. Take care, everybody.